0: All right, we're live with Memory Tracks, episode number 19. Today, I've got an old friend who I hadn't seen you in a few years, and then um, it's just hard to catch up. You know, everyone's got things going on, and uh, we had a really nice uh, was it a breakfast, coffee, I guess. Yeah, at 24-hour diner a few weeks ago, um, and I was, we were kind of catching up on life, and I explained the podcast to you and obviously knew that you were a, uh, a big music guy. And it was cool. You we were really excited about it. And you were like, hey, I kind of want to do this. Why don't jump yeah. on? This is awesome. So I'm happy to have uh, my, my friend Brant Barton on today so you can say hello.
1: Hi, everyone. Good to be here. And it was a breakfast and also a spectacular uh, <laughs> shattering of a glass of water from a That's high right. table. <laughs> I totally forgot about it.
0: It was like almost within the first three minutes that yeah. you were there, I feel like. It was pretty epic, and it was very high table, like yeah. feet dangling type height. And yeah. almost
1: a slow motion. <laughs> yeah,
0: it the was... kind where the whole restaurant. Like, I like how you
1: reacted, though. You immediately laughed and yeah, thought well, it was hilarious, course. which was great. Yeah, of
0: course. I mean, it, <clears throat> as long as no one was hurt, then it's always funny. That, so. that
1: helped my uh, embarrassment.
0: <laughs> Did you get the chicken and waffles that time? No, I didn't. No, that's the I thing. I, I got the hash. That's right. We both yeah. got the hash. That's right, yeah. Yeah, I
1: was excited about uh, coming on, and and for... A couple of reasons. One, to reconnect with you. And yeah. Two, because I love music. Yeah. And three, because I'm interested in podcasting. Yeah. And uh, I'm a big listener of many different podcasts and have kind of had ideas in the back of my mind for...
0: Some things you something that I out. might
1: want to explore my own and so just to be a part of what you're doing is, is pretty cool fun.
0: well yeah. it's it's a lot uh, easier than you might imagine as you can tell from the setup I think we basically I just put it together over a couple Amazon orders so yeah <laughs> anyone can good. do it everyone do it um, what I'm curious what podcasts are your like favorite your go-to's um,
1: you know I listen to a bunch of the uh, kind of
0: life hacking
1: oriented yeah. stuff Um I just recently, thanks to some other friends, got turned on to uh, Judge John Hodgman. What is that one about? Um, John Hodgman, the humorist and yeah, comedian, yeah, yeah. he acts as a, as a judge, and he hears cases from his listeners. Huh. And uh, it's usually a you know, sp- spouse or uh, kids uh, bringing a case against their parents or friends, but they're all very funny.
0: And it is. Uh, so is he offering like this is a yeah, he non-legal he, thing? It's it's, a, it's totally
1: unofficial, but he hears it out, and it's really funny. Huh. Um, you know, they're usually about forty-five minutes long. He yeah, hears he crazy. hears both sides of the argument, and then he issues his ruling. That's and awesome. And the listener, you know, the the, the two people, uh, they're, they're supposed to, to what they they're supposed with, yeah. to follow it. Yeah. Right? Um, and then really
0: cool. you know, uh, some tech-oriented podcasts. Yeah. You know, a little yeah. bit of everything. Yeah. Yeah, I, I go through waves of listening to a lot of podcasts and just like consuming my time and then getting burned out and being like, you fall, once you fall behind in the ones that you listen to, then it it's so yeah. overwhelming to catch back up. Right. But I'm a big fan of, I, the one that I listened to the other day was uh, Mark Maron uh, interviewing Bruce Springsteen, oh. which is pretty cool. It's always interesting I don't
1: listen to, to many music-oriented podcasts, well, so which is interesting. Mark
0: Maron, he's a comedian as well, and he's kind of one of the... Pioneer podcasters definitely like an inspiration for me uh, in doing this the way he interviews uh, people but he's been doing it for a long time and he sometimes i think he probably initially did other comedians and then he started to do musicians and things sometimes those musician ones are not as interesting because i think he came into music very late in life so he's kind of like he tries to act too cool like the mm-hmm. musicians come around and they're like I'm eh, not impressed <laughs> But, uh, which is relevant to our discussion today because we were talking about before we started that, um, you know, for you, you, um, are a huge fan of all things metal and heavy music. And, um, I've mentioned before in in previous podcasts, my friend Andy, uh, who came on, who I always think of as being a big metal guy. Um, you know, it's not a genre of music that I know a lot about Mm -hmm. and very educated on and have an opinion and you know, even like researching your songs and the different genres that they were described as. I mean, there's death metal and extreme metal and thrash metal and mm-hmm. punk metal. And it's just like, how, how do you differentiate? So I'll be curious if we learn any of that today with our talk today. but. That being said, um, whereas different guests, you know, sometimes I interject more or less. I think this will be one where I'll, I'll be learning a lot from you. So well, we'll I'm see. excited. for that. I don't get too <laughs> academic. <laughs> well, <laughs> about, no, but no. And that, which is good, though. <laughs> I mean, that's we want. Um, I like that when when it's more about the story and the, the personal connection. I mean, the, it comes out through all of that, too. So uh, but yeah, I'm excited about it. So yeah, it should, be, too. it should be a fun episode. And, hey, maybe it serves as a jumping point for you to kick off your own podcast. Uh, That's right. Podcast. Like I could go full fun. metal, you know, and there just talk about metal all the time. All the <laughs> time. <laughs> hey, there's always more metal out there, I guess. So, um, Well, let's kick off with the first song. Um, this one, I think, is a band that at least everybody knows. Um, it's impossible. How could you live on this earth without knowing who Iron Maiden is? Right. Um, so this is Iron Maiden, um, and the song is called Moonchild. Here we go.
2: Seven deadly sins, seven ways to win, seven holy paths to hell, and your trip begins. Seven downward slopes, seven bloodied hopes, seven are your burning fire. we
0: A little air <laughs> guitar going on, right? Know, it's, it's hard not to when you hear a song like that. I have so many things to say about this song. Oh, I'm sure. Well, we could, we've got all the time in the world, so use. I hadn't heard that song until you pointed it out. Mm-hmm. Iron Maiden, like you hear the songs and you kind of know the Iron Maiden sound, yeah. And if you don't listen to them a lot, if you don't study them, then it's uh, it. I can't separate out specific Iron Maiden songs. Mm-hmm. That song was amazing. I love it. It's a great that. song, it's great.
1: So, one of the in, first of all, this was an extremely challenging thing to do. To yeah. Pick three songs. I, I could pick three hundred metal songs yeah, to talk yeah. about, and the three songs that I picked all have a, two main things in common. Is the first being that they kind of chart my chronology with, okay. with yeah. metal, p- particularly early, early on, yeah, as a kid, really, yeah. And secondly, for each of these songs the first time i heard each of them my reaction was what the fuck <laughs> in a good way yeah. like, like
0: like you were just blown away blown away eyes wide open yeah. yes like what
1: is this yeah so um, can we jump right into talking yeah about let's
0: it? do it yeah
1: so this is uh this is a song from an album called the seventh son of the seventh son uh, i think it's probably iron maiden's I should know this. It's the seventh record. Seventh Insane. seventh record, yeah. right? Yeah. I was going to say six or seventh, but seventh makes perfect sense. Um, and to date myself a little bit, this came out in 88. Mm-hmm. I was 11 years old, so I, I turned 40 this year. So I think I, I was one. Long, yeah, I figured, right? <laughs> I have this long history with metal. But to go back a bit and talk about how my love affair with metal began yeah. and how it led me to this, because this was the... This Can you album. Imagine
0: being 11 years old and hearing a song like this. Yeah, right. <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> this
1: album was the first um, metal album that I went out on my own and purchased. Yeah, and I remember. I remember the day vividly. Yeah, um, and I bought it on a tape. Right. Awesome. Yeah. Um, cassette or eight track. Cassette. Okay, yeah. Cassette. I'm not that old. <laughs> <up. laughs> Although I do very. I have you very. Have I have vivid okay. memories of my dad's eight. Your dad's collection. Yeah. yeah. yeah of course. But so I had this cousin who was eight years older than me, and he didn't live in the same town. And when we would go, this was my my mom's sister's. Wait, remind okay. me where you grew up. So I grew up in Mississippi. Mississippi. Okay. And we would go visit this cousin of mine and his his family, um, initially in Alabama where he lived, and then he moved to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And I remember through my childhood going, you know, a couple of times, once or twice a year to visit my aunt and, and her kids. And yeah. so this cousin David. He was the youngest of her three kids, but he was still eight years older than I was. And um, I remember, you know, as a nine, ten year old kid, we would go visit and he would be out with his friends because he was. He's that you know, age, he's a, yeah. He much could older. drive and yeah. Yeah. He could drive. He was 16, 17 years old. And <clears throat> looking for something to do, I would just explore. He, he, his room was this bonus room. Above their garage. Oh, cool. Because yeah. he was the youngest kid and his two older siblings were already gone and, and yeah. married. And I would just kind of rummage around in his room while he was away. And the the, the memories from that are he was really into music, he was really into, into hard rock, mm-hmm. psychedelic rock, mm-hmm. heavy metal. And I got kind of hooked on the imagery of yeah. hard rock and metal. Because he had all of these posters in his room. I remember a Pink Floyd poster, a Led Zeppelin poster, Black Sabbath, yeah. uh, Blue Oyster Cult. Yeah. I, like, I remember all of those all of vividly. Classics. And he also had record albums. And I would just, you know, just screwing around, eight, nine, ten-year-old kid, I would look through his records, and I distinctly remember being just so um, curious about some of these record uh, in these album covers yeah i remember uh black sabbath sabbath bloody sabbath mm-hmm. which that has a really interesting that's pretty uh, cover thing, yeah and then i remember iron maiden very vividly i remember uh he had number of the beast he had mm-hmm. peace of mind mm-hmm. he had a power slave which is a really interesting album cover and then somewhere in time which was the album before, right before that, this one yeah. And so I was really into all this stuff. I didn't know what it was. It was really curi- It really piqued my curiosity, um, and I also remember stumbling on uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. In my in yeah. this cousin's, you know, I think I found a Dungeons and Dragons like player's manual in uh-huh. his closet. So you're teaching
0: yourself how to play. Yeah. So so early on, I got kind of hooked on the imagery of this stuff because it just looks so well. And it's different. Con- It's consistent too, like which yeah. is the thing because you go from one album to cover. And, Eddie is the mascot, right? Right, Eddie. Yeah, and he's on most of the covers, I think. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, you're following this like storyline of the art of the record that I could totally understand, and especially being a young kid. I mean, I think back to me like being obsessed with cartoons and drawing and stuff, and like this art you can just kind of immerse yourself in for sure. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So that's where it all started, which is kind of interesting, and. I got really into the look and feel and and kind of what all this stuff meant. And that piqued my curiosity to get into the music. And it was actually, I finally, uh, my curiosity got the best of me. And I finally, on a trip to the mall with my mom and my aunt, on one of those visits, you know, I had a little spending money and I went into a record store and I went and found Iron Maiden. Yeah. And I found this album because it was a new album. This was in 88. I'm 11 years old. Right. And I hadn't seen this album in my cousin's collection. It's like, oh, this is a new thing. This is a new one, yeah. Let me buy this, right? So I get this tape, and on that trip, on the drive home, (coughs) I stick it into my Walkman, Mm -hmm. and Moonchild is the first track of the album.
0: Oh, cool, okay. And you're it was like, like,
1: holy shit, you know, what is like this? like in the
0: backseat of, of the car on right. the drive home. yeah. Right,
1: backseat, parents driving, little <laughs> sister, you know, next to me doing something. And I'm listening to Moonchild from Iron Maiden at just 11 totally transported old. out of that car and totally. into outer space. Basically. And I, I thought of this um, song because it really was the perfect gateway drug. mm mm-hmm. For me to get into metal because if you remember from the beginning, it has the keyboards, it has these progressive elements, which, you know, I was exposed to, I mean, this was in the 80s, right? So I was exposed to a lot of this 80s pop. and that over
0: high production.
1: Exactly, right. And but this combined all of that cool, wicked looking imagery that I'd gotten really hooked on and it was a concept album. And so the lyrical content, you know, it deals with kind of all these occult themes. And that, as an 11-year-old kid, that's really interesting. It's
0: fascinating, yeah. Right.
1: (laughs) Um, And the music was awesome. Yeah. Right. So um, that's how it all started,
0: Moonchild and Iron Maiden. What's interesting is you're talking about it and just like reading the history on the album in particular, I think it was very much that record for them as a band as well, because what I was reading was that basically, I guess, the record before bruce dickinson the singer Mm -hmm. um he had felt like he had been essentially kicked not kicked out of the band but i guess the last record lyrically and writing stuff like he was less involved Mm -hmm. and so they got to the seventh record and the bassist was like we don't know what to call it let's call it seventh son of the seventh son which is some sort of a book from orson scott card i guess Mm -hmm. that it's named after and they kind of came up with this concept and i guess it really inspired bruce so he kind of wrote to, or he wanted to do the concept, which then becomes very frequent, I think, in a lot of metal, right? Where mm-hmm. in the, the progressive nature, the storyline concept record. And it's also the first uh, Maiden album to have keyboards on it. So they kind of yeah. like progressed <clears throat> and into getting to that more progressive metal zone, I guess. Right. It was the first one to have actual keyboards, but the
1: previous album, Somewhere in Time, was a very... Progressive, Starting to get that. it was getting, it was moving yeah. in that direction. But I think I read that the the keyboard sound had actually come from guitar gotcha. and bass. I um, think that's right, yeah. And so with Seventh Son, it was, it was full on, it was full on, yeah. and uh, yeah, it, um, you know, it, it, it's a, it's a, I think it's a heavy album, but yeah. a very accessible yeah. album. It has, uh, it has its moments of real. You know, melody and and beauty as most Iron Maiden does because it's that you know British right. new wave of heavy metal yep. stuff. Very you know power, power melodies and yeah. um, a lot of really interesting um, melodic guitar work. And also, I was I was um, getting into playing drums about that uh, time yeah. as a kid. Yeah. And so, uh, Nico McBrain is the drummer of okay. Iron Maiden and listening to all this Iron Maiden at that age really kind of, he, he was like the ultimate drummer to me because he played really fast, but he played a single bass. Yeah. Um, he wasn't one of the double hits with the single. Exactly.
0: Um, and so I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Did (laughs) you, so your cousin who was older, did he know that you were going through his stuff? Did you guys Uh, connect on it later? Or were you like, I shared that with him many, many, many years later. And he thought that was really funny.
1: Yeah. Um, I don't know at the time that he that he knew that yeah. because he wasn't around all that much, <laughs> and I didn't really express that. much. There was something so um, you know forbidden about yeah. it not not the fact that I was looking around his room, but when I stumbled a, 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 across these albums, you know, it's like when you're that age, you're seeing this you know this really, in many cases, like violent looking yeah. imagery. Right. You know, the the cover of uh, Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath is. Yeah. It's pretty well, you intense. like, the yeah, occult stuff and right. everything,
0: and the Aleister Crowley ties and all yes, that stuff. Yes, like, So I find
1: kind of this stuff, and I'm like, yeah, yeah this, is, this is
0: interesting, but I'm not going to tell anyone that right. I'm, I'm finding it. So when you went and bought it at the mall, did your mom not see the album cover and be like,
1: this looks You know, uh, she did. Yeah. I remember she did take a look at it, but not really knowing. Didn't, yeah, didn't yeah, process it. Did. Yeah. I always had, uh my parents were always pretty
0: cool about that. They didn't They didn't censor do much. you have siblings I have a younger sister Younger yeah. sister okay yeah. yeah so you were the oldest so they had right and and I guess MTV is on the rise at that time so they haven't seen all of it yet
1: yeah <laughs> and I wanted to mention that because as we move you know down the list to the next song uh, as I really started to get into metal first, first of all this kicked off a, a complete yeah just uh, a
0: 180 and yeah. what you were I was
1: to- I totally went Iron Maiden crazy so yeah. this you know this led to me Listening to every album they had put out, and buying the next few, but my taste progressively got more, you know, heavier. Yeah, and uh, I remember at the time, uh, MTV had a show called Headbangers Ball. Oh yeah, Ricky Rackman. Oh yeah, uh, and uh, I loved watching Headbangers yeah. Ball, I and mean, I watched it religiously, right. oftentimes with a good friend of mine from school, and that was where that was our source. Yeah, for all the new. Yeah
0: hardcore metal it it wasn't commercialized that was no internet
1: well well (laughs) before the internet you know
0: it's crazy yeah it's fun and it's always fun particularly when you're in that age because you just have so much free time right Mm -hmm. um but when you can get i remember certain bands like i really got into hendrix um when i was about 13 14 or Mm -hmm. so and it's fun when you can get into these bands that you know are have so much material to dive into and you can just like, if you're starting on the seventh record, yeah, there's six other records that That's you can right. go to and, and to kind of be able to have it. But then also you've got the magazines and stuff to read what people are saying. So you have a little bit of context in there right. and then yeah. you can talk to your friends about it. It's fun. Yeah. Very cool. Should we go to the next one? Yeah, let's do the next All one. All right. So the next song is, uh, it's by a band called Overkill and the track is called playing with spiders slash skull crusher. Yeah. Kill. Yeah, that was heavy. Skull Crusher. Skull Crusher. Slash playing with spiders. Right. Yeah. Right. It was a long one, but man, it was pretty, pretty epic. Like I sometimes I feel bad. I play when we record the songs, I play it through my phone and We've got you know my garage band set up. The EQ is not ideal for mm-hmm. different styles of music, so I would encourage everyone to go back and listen to this from the year of the year of Decay, which was their 1989 record. Yeah. And you were mentioning it with Iron Maiden talking about the album covers and stuff, and I was looking at this one, and this is another band that keeps that trend going. Yeah. And they have a mascot. Right. Charlie the Bat, I guess mm-hmm. is his name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's like a giant skull with bat wings and stuff right. and pretty epic but I, it's one. i i don't do people do bands still have mascots like is that a thing that that's a good question um like there's always cool know. artwork and stuff but yeah the theme that carries through i'd be curious maybe some, someone should bring the mascot back yeah you know? yeah <laughs> uh but yeah i didn't know these guys overkill um we were i asked you before like so is this considered thrash metal and you're like mm-hmm. yeah, this is thrash they're from jersey Late '80s, I guess, and uh, I'm sure they were headbangers ball material. But yeah, tell me, definitely, uh, tell me about when you heard these guys and, and what you connected with.
1: Well, um, as I moved, kind of, as I I went through the the Iron Maiden phase. Never never stopped liking Iron Maiden, but went through that phase and progressively got into, um, you know, just started exploring everything related to yeah. that genre of metal. Judas Priest, Black mm-hmm. Sabbath, mm-hmm. Ozzy Osbourne, all this stuff, and. As I got into Thrash, um, around that time, again, I'll date myself. This came out in 89. I was yep. 12 years old. Yeah. And I was watching Headbangers Ball every, mm-hmm. every weekend mm-hmm. and, and seeing this new stuff come out, come out. And when you get into really heavy metal music, at least for me and some, uh, a close friend of mine, we were always out looking for the next what we thought was the next heaviest thing thing. yeah there's a certain sound you know it's just i mean everyone pulsating behind your heart yeah i mean everyone everyone defines it differently for some metal fans it's you know the faster it is Mm -hmm. the heavier it is Mm -hmm. the more distorted and guttural it is um but when i heard this song i thought holy shit, that's super heavy. Yeah, And it was the tempo, it changes tempo, but overall it's a very slow tempo. Right. Um, and just the atmosphere with the vocals, yeah. the production, yeah. there's a lot of like, um, you know, kind of reverb to the mm-hmm. drums. Mm-hmm. And just that guitar riff is super, super crunchy and heavy. Yeah. And I remember when, when I heard this, I was like, wow, that is the heaviest thing I've ever heard.
0: Yeah. And I was
1: already listening to a lot of thrash. Yeah, similarly
0: heavy stuff. At the
1: time. The other reason I I picked this song is uh, this is a thrash metal band. And the history of that, you know, they say history is written by the victors. Well, the history of thrash has kind of been credited to the big four, right? Metallica, Mm -hmm. Megadeth, Anthrax, and Slayer. Those are the big four bands of thrash. But there were a handful of other bands that I thought... Um, kind of have been underappreciated yeah bands like Exodus Testament and this band Overkill hmm. okay and so I've always whenever I've gotten into metal discussions or you know barroom debates in the past um, about metal I always try to represent for Overkill yeah because step outside the these guys are still making albums in fact they just really? released a new album uh, just last month wow and um, I don't know how many they're up to like they're in the high teens at this point God. Is it the similar lineup, or do you think they've had a lot of changes? No, the, the lineup has changed a bit. The yeah. lead singer is still there. I think the, the, founding, lead, the founding lead singer and bassist, I think, are okay. still part of the band. Gotcha. But um, I've just always loved Overkill, and I've always thought that they were kind of underappreciated. Yeah. They're these guys, as you said, out of Jersey. Yeah. You know, just...
0: Not as glamorous, uh, if you could, if that's the right term, as say a Metallica, yeah. you know, or something like that. Well, I feel like with Jersey, you're kind of always under the shadow of Springsteen. Yeah, well, that's true, <laughs> and right? This is, music is obviously so, so purposefully different that yeah. I'm sure coming there actually fed a lot of their heaviness of like, yeah, we want to be as far removed from a Springsteen sound as possible. Yeah, I don't know. But.
1: Well, and, and the the other thing is, since first discovering this song, I mean, I've listened to so many more. I mean, in however many years that's been, 28-something years, I've listened to so many other bands and albums and songs and some super, super, super heavy stuff. I mean, you know, uh, doom metal, like all these you know, more contemporary bands that have kind of really tried very intentionally to create the heaviest sound in music music that they can. And uh, I like all that stuff, but I still would put this song in my top five for heaviest sound
0: it's really interesting when you were describing about how heavy can mean different th- I've never thought about that um, but I mean yeah as soon as you articulate that heavy can mean a lot of different things and you know you think I remember watching like Vh1's greatest top 100 heavy metal songs and I think like number one was like the immigrant song from Led Zeppelin yeah and I'm like well that to me was that's a rock song that's not right, a heavy right. song. But then you listen, you're like, okay, well, I see where that's coming. But yeah, you're totally right. There's, I think every everyone kind of would find it, which is probably where all of the multi-genre stuff comes from. Of yeah, yeah. The heaviest doom, the heaviest death, the heaviest black. The heaviest and for me, it goes crash. beyond
1: the genre of metal. Yeah. Because I'm a big fan of electronic music. Mm-hmm, I'm a mm-hmm. big fan of reggae. Yeah. And there are bands that I, probably my favorite bands and favorite songs <clears throat> in those two genres that are, I would consider super heavy. Yeah. Just yeah. The, the, the
0: feelings. What that, would you describe as a heavy reggae song?
1: Um, I can point you to a band, my, probably my favorite reggae band, Black Uhuru. Okay. And they are representative of what many people call roots reggae. Okay. Um, it's not this dance hall reggae stuff. Right. Um, it has a very... Rastafarian yep. influence, um, and they were one of the pioneering. What were they called again? Black Uhuru. It's U H U R U. I think it's the African, an African word for freedom. I'm not sure cool. which yeah. language, but I love Black Uhuru, and some of their songs just have a a darkness to them, yeah, because of the lyrical content, but also the the music the musician i'm definitely listening that. you that should definitely check yeah. it out
0: that's not a genre that i would ever expect that yeah but i'm curious what how that hits
1: and i would say my preference in electronic music is is in that direction yeah. of i'm always seeking out a, a sound that for me is heavy yeah rather than i don't like a lot of upbeat dancing right, right. Like electronic the, yeah. music
0: yeah, I know for me, I'm kind of similar where I like the more ambient, like dark and gloomy electronic sound, like mm-hmm. a Nicholas Jar or something mm-hmm. like that. But yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating to think think how that one word can take on so many different things. Then I think too about heavy. The word heavy makes a lot more sense in a live scenario as well. Like when you go see a heavier band and you really do feel like the speakers shaking your body yeah. physically, right. like actually feel that. And well, cool. So you heard this one than just around that same time.
1: Yeah, this was just, you know, a year or so later after yeah. getting turned on to Iron Maiden. So you were pretty quick <clears and> to <throat> spread your wings yeah. out. <laughs> I, well, it's, it's whenever I get into a new uh, interest, I, I get into it pretty deep. And yeah. so, you know, from from Iron Maiden, that progressed quickly, to like Black Sabbath, I would say, if I had to name one,
0: yeah.
1: my one f- most favorite metal band, it's it's them, just because of what they've contributed to the right. whole genre. Right, right. Um, but, you know, you kind of get heavier and darker and darker mm-hmm. and darker and, and you eventually find this stuff. And I think, honestly, I think Headbanger's Ball probably deserves the credit for yeah. turning me on to Overkill. That's probably where I heard yeah. that band for the first time.
0: Uh, I, I remember uh, watching MTV and Anthrax, which is thrash metal, right? Is Anthrax mm-hmm, it considered mm-hmm. thrash? Yeah. There was like a competition that MTV had in like the early 90s or mid 90s where they were releasing a new album and... You'd enter the contest to have Anthrax come and trash your house, <laughs> <laughs> like they and they broadcast it, and it was like Scott Ian comes out with a chainsaw and is literally like chainsawing through these people's yeah. walls, and the parents are like in the background like mortified, <laughs> like there's no way this is real. <laughs> <laughs> MTV, man, some crazy shit back then. <laughs> oh, MTV is so lame now. <laughs> oh, I know. It's like, no, they, you can't even appreciate it. it it's so foreign. So it's taken so many different directions. Yeah. Um, anything else to say on that song? Or um, No.
1: No? Just Good. a great band. Yeah. Great song. It,
0: the the Quest for the Heaviest Song. The yeah. Quest for the Do you still seek it out? Do you still think, you I do. think you'll ever find another one? Um, yeah, I'm always, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always seeking... Has there been like a newer band that you were surprised that you didn't think that a newer, more modern sound could feel as heavy that you're like, I think this band is doing what Overkill did for me when I was 12?
1: Yeah, there are a couple of more recent bands. Um, I would say there's a band called Sleep.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I hear a lot of these. (coughs) I don't know them, but they're coming to town pretty soon. Oh, yeah. Really? I need to to be there. Um, another band that
1: is a more recent find in the last I would say five or six years is a band out of Germany called Cadaver
0: Ooh, like which that, has a
1: real retro i mean they remind me really of Black Sabbath, yeah because it's this very kind of retro mm-hmm. metal mm-hmm. sound and even even the you know the look and, and feel and their album covers and yeah. the typography and everything it's just it's that very like seventies yeah. metal feel yeah. But they've got a few songs that aren't heavy in the sense of trying to be super, you know, crunchy and, and dark. They just, they're just heavy because yeah. they just, just they jam. you with the music. Yeah, yeah
0: that's great. <clears throat> I'll have to check that out. Yeah, I, I keep hearing a lot about Sleep, but I haven't, uh, haven't jumped on that yet. So yeah. I'll check it out. All right, well, we'll move to the last song. Um, this one comes from a band called Death, and the track is called Cosmic Sea. Not to be confused with punk band called Death. Right. Different than when you first sent that over. I thought that that's what it was. And then I looked it up. It's like, oh, no, no. This is the, the death metal band called Death. Yeah.
1: And yeah. the other band, the, the punk band, there's actually, I believe, a documentary. Yeah, it's about great. It's actually a really good film. Yeah. Um, no, this th- is... These this guys is, are... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was cool. So Death, um, you know, a lot of people take offense at just a band named Death. Yeah. But <laughs> these guys are some of the pioneers of death metal. Yeah. In in fact, Chuck Schuldner, who is the founder of the band and the uh, vocalist and lead guitarist and primary songwriter, he's considered the father of death metal. The godfather of yeah. death metal. Oh um, unfortunately, he passed away when he was like in his mid-30s. Oh, wow. Um, but you know, the search, the quest for the heaviness eventually leads you to death metal. (laughs) And uh, so at this time, this this album, uh, this is Death's fourth album. It's an album called Human. And when Death, uh, their first album was kind of, uh, it's almost tongue-in-cheek, the album name was Scream Bloody Gore. And the lyrical (laughs) content is exactly what you might assume from an album in that and then their second album was called Leprosy. Their third was called Spiritual Healing, which is when I really started to get okay. into them. Yep. And that was a, becoming a more progressive sound. And then Human, which was their fourth album, was a groundbreaking album because death it would now be categorized as technical death metal or okay. melodic death metal. Gotcha. When you hear the term death metal, a lot of people automatically assume it's going to be that buzz saw guitar right blast beat drumming that's it, double know, pedal so yeah. fast that you just can't even make sense of it all. Right. And but with death, starting really with this album, they just started to take the musician musicianship of death metal in a completely new direction. Hmm. And I chose this song because it's an instrumental, which there yeah. aren't that many instrumental death metal death metal songs. Um, if you listen to any other death, the rest of this album, you're going to hear the death growl. Right. Vocals. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, and that's either something you're into or you're not. Right. But this song, I think, um, kind of represents the musical direction that death was taking. Uh, and that I thought when I came across it, I was like, wow, I'm into this, I'm into this heavy stuff. And mm-hmm. I, I like all the, I like death metal in general. Um, but there's something that these guys are doing that's just totally that's just on another level. Yeah. yeah. It, it's, it's very unique. And, um, even though the, the, the vocals are, uh, what they are, I can like listen, I can put on this album and chill.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, I was thinking about that. as we were listening to it. I was like, so if some, someone who like, if, if, you consider yourself metal as like the, your most your favorite music. It is interesting because I think everyone thinks oh it's a very aggressive sound. So like mm-hmm. you listen to it and you're just like jacked up all the time. I mean everyone that I've ever met that describes it. I don't think of that that way. You know. So I am always curious when you listen to the faster, heavier stuff like this. Can you just like be out? On a beach, listening to this, or like, would you go on a hike and listen? Yeah, to it? well, <laughs> it. I mean, it
1: serves two b- both purposes for yeah. me because there's certain metal that just gives me a lot of energy, mm-hmm. like an an adrenaline rush, and I reserve that for certain, you know, activities. Of course, like, right. I'm going to go for a run, or yep. go to the gym, or just need it's to like get in a that. certain yeah. state of mind. But yeah, there, there's there there's other heavy music. And, and this is a good example where I can put it on at a moderate volume and mm-hmm. totally get into a zone and yeah. actually get productive work done yeah. or go about my day. Um, but death is a, death is one of my all time favorite bands. And they made, I believe seven or eight albums. Okay. And this is kind of right in the middle yep. of their, uh, chronology. And, um, I, I after kind of discovering them, I I started to listen to all kinds of different death metal, Obituary, Carcass. You know, they all have these extreme <laughs> names, um, and there's some of it, frankly, which I find completely unlistenable. Yeah, it's just they they try
0: too hard to push the limits, yeah. and
1: you're like, okay, this is no longer. Yeah, I just don't find anything redeeming right about it. Right, um, but I, but Death is definitely not in that category. Yeah, um, it's also one of those bands that has you know. A, Back to your question about you know my parents kind of micromanaging Mm -hmm. my musical taste, I I think music was a big part of our household growing up. I have vivid memories of being home on the weekends as a young kid and hearing my dad play R and B and a lot Mm -hmm. of Motown Mm -hmm. and funk, and so it was always a big part of our household that my parents had a real appreciation for music, and they really didn't take much notice as they started to get into you know, the, the lighter metal, like Iron Maiden, and then some of the thrash stuff, they kind of, oh well, what's this, you know? Um, when I went, when I started to get into death metal, just because of the, the names of the bands, some of the album covers, some of the lyrical content, you know, that had them scratching Braised their Raised a little eyebrow, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, for me, I just, I, I just totally was into the aesthetic of it all, as well as the music. Yeah. Um, you know, there's some of these bands that go out of their way to try to be um, satanic, right? Right. It's almost a joke. Yeah. You know? you're it's like tongue, tongue in cheek, really. Yeah. Um, and so none of that stuff ever like got to me or right. bothered me in any right. way. It was all about the music. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is a great song.
0: Yeah, it's cool. Um, the I, I was kind of reading the history of this band and it sounds like Chuck, the guy, the main guy, was basically the linchpin of everything. Yeah. And
1: he so had a different team. lineup
0: of musicians for each album. And it sounded like this one was the first one where he basically just employed a bunch of session musicians. So it wasn't even like a touring group. It was just like he knew what he wanted. Mm-hmm. He hired the guys that could play it the best. Yeah. And then he put it out there and just let it live, which was cool.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Um, I don't know who I would compare him to, but, you know, I think a lot of genres of music have these figures yeah. where they just have a vision. And um, you know, I think of like you know Steely Dan, right? Mm-hmm. Who mm-hmm. you know they stayed in the studio. They weren't a touring band. Yeah. They were just absolutely obsessive about quality. They like it was a revolving door of session musicians yeah. when recording their albums, just because they had a they had a vision and they had a, a very high bar for what they wanted to accomplish. Yeah. And I would put Chuck Schuldner in that category because he was truly. He was creating a genre of music you know that had never before existed. He wasn't the only one, but right. he was definitely one of the true pioneers. Um, and uh, the band, in spite of you know having so many different member changes and I mean it's it's got a huge following
0: and, yeah. you know but for you, would you <clears throat> went down this path of hearing Iron Maiden and then discovering everything? you know you had your your cousin that you were sneaking in on his collection essentially. Right. Um, did you... This stuff was not in his collection. Did this you was share, post- like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> this is when yeah. like you graduated. You were right. in your, your graduate program there. But, the student becomes the master. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do, did you have... Did Through that process of the discovery, was it very much like your own discipline of seeking it for yourself? Or did you have friends that you really connected with this on? Or was it always a personal endeavor for you? Um, it was
1: very... Uh, it was both. I mean, I... Yeah. I could spend hours and hours and hours just in my room alone listening to my stereo with stuff on. Um, My sources for finding new music were television, Mm -hmm. MTV, Ed Banger's Ball, and basically going to the Camelot Music Store in the local mall. Awesome. Um, And basically, literally, every time I would go, I would go from A to Z, in the heavy metal section. And I would literally, you know, I mean, again, this is, you don't appreciate this. This is pre-internet, right? Yeah. There was no online resource because there was no online. So I would just go and I would go through every, every single CD and tape in the section to look for what I hadn't seen the previous time before. And frankly, at that age, a lot of what, um, a lot of, this is kind of like a study in marketing, right? Yeah. Uh, it was the album cover off. Yeah. That was like, oh, I got to check this
0: out. This this looks. Because otherwise, so... you would have had to have read about it. That's right. In Rolling Stone or something. Or yeah, I, remember, I mean, uh, that, there were a couple writing. About there were well, there Rolling a couple Stone. of magazines. <laughs> yeah, like, I can't. They had zines and stuff, yeah. I guess, but probably not in Mississippi. Like I could, I I could get them yeah. in
1: Jackson because yeah. I was, you know, in the capital. And it was a relatively large city for the yeah. state, so, there's so there's I, I could get some of the magazines. Stuff. But yeah. really, I just went to the music stores and looked over everything, and then you know, into, uh, college, uh, when the internet did emerge, Mm -hmm. um, I would spend hours on amazon.com looking at, you know, if you like this, you might like Uh, that. I mean, I would literally go deep, you know, a hundred levels deep into these recommendation, just these wormholes of discovery. Totally. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I would be like, all right, well, you know, I'm really into Danzig right now. So I'm yeah. gonna go to Danzig and yeah. see what other everyone else who's who's buying Danzig is right. what they're also buying. And I found a lot of great stuff that yeah. way. Um, I was never really I had a very uh, one of my best friends in high school, a guy named Eric. Um, he and I had listened to a lot of this music together, and, and we were always kind of collaborating and finding new yeah. stuff. But I never had a really big group of people that right. I
0: networked with to turn me on to this music. It right. was more self-driven. Yeah, that's cool, and I think that that helps too in the sense of keeping it throughout your life of like you took the time you invested in it it's become a part of you it's I've put in a... the
1: 10,000 hours yeah yeah for you sure you know to, to reference Malcolm Gladwell sure. and, and yeah? yeah I feel like this is one of those things in my life I've put in the 10,000 yeah. hours his podcast by the way is
0: great revisionist yeah. history yeah, yeah, yeah I love it it's so yeah. good that's cool do you do you play music yourself you play drums right
1: I play drums yeah and um I still play drums, although mm-hmm. for me it's just a it's just a pastime and yeah. it's like a release. The discipline and, and
0: a release to yeah. just focus um, on and
1: yeah. I'll 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 plug, you know, the phone into my amp and, mm-hmm. and just play along blast something through yeah. there and play along with it. And I, as I've you know I never in high school I my, my friend Eric who I mentioned, he was a he he played guitar, his younger brother played bass. We had, you know, feeble attempts at a band, yeah, you know, as teenagers, and would just play a lot of cover songs and yeah. try to write original stuff, but never really made a true effort to like have a band, yeah. Um, and then
0: playing drums just became an outlet, yeah. You know? Did you guys have people come through town and tour that you could go see and see um, this type of music live, or was it always just through listening to the oh We did, but it was fairly infrequent.
1: I remember. Probably the first true metal show I attended was a Ozzy Osbourne show. Nice. Ozzy came to Jackson, Mississippi, yeah. cool. and I remember who opened for him. It was, uh, I think, it was Suicidal Tendencies. Oh yeah, they're still around. Actually, no, Suicidal Tendencies actually opened for Queensrÿche. Oh wow, <laughs> weird combination. Yeah, yeah, very different. Um, uh, but that was when Queen's came through and they did their Operation Mindcrime tour, mm. which is still one of my favorite albums. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, I remember seeing Ozzy and I think Sepultura opened for Ozzy, which wow. that was pretty hardcore. That's cool. Show. But, and, you know, I could probably count on one hand the number of metal shows I got to see because yeah. it, was,
0: uh, it was such a small town. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't really go to many shows until coming to Austin, to be honest. Like, there's mm-hmm. probably 10, 10 shows I went to in high school and they were all... Bigger touring bands that there's no cool. I, I grew up in the suburbs, so yeah, yeah, you just kind of listen to it and prepare yourself for the day when you finally have access to all of it. Yeah, well,
1: you know, I have kind of a weird relationship with live music. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I like music so much, I don't like it when my experience of mm. music is degraded mm-hmm. because of a bad performance, because of a oh, bad exciting. performance, because yeah. of bad, you know, sound, because yep. of a bunch of people yep. in my space. And so I have not really been a, uh, I've not gone out of my way to see a ton of live music in my life. I've seen some great live shows, but it's just not been
0: something that I prioritize um, because I really just want to enjoy the music. It's really true because I have numbers of bands that I really liked and then I went to go see live and not good. And Mm -hmm. while I still can separate it, it, there's so many bands out there that it's like once I got that association of something Mm -hmm. negative like that was a bad show now listening back to those records just recalls that show and then you're like you kind of move on past it and it it doesn't sink like it did so I can understand you spend hours at home listening to these records and the risk of like having a distorted view on it right and, I mean, so many of these bands, like, I mean, Iron Maiden still tours. Still yeah, play, in fact, they're, they're like, playing in June in San really? Antonio. Wow. Although I've heard they're still amazing live. Yeah. 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 They've, they've perfected performing. Yeah. I saw Judas Priest at uh, Fun 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 Fest uh-huh. here and was just blown away. I like, saw... Um, so cool. <laughs>
1: I, I finally, I'd never seen them live before, and yeah. I finally saw Slayer four or five oh, years wow. ago at Fun 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 yeah. Fest. And it was amazing. Yeah. Just because it was so nostalgic. Right. They played right. all the old good stuff. Mm-hmm. You know.
0: Yeah, they know And there was a bunch of like late thirties people out there yeah. like myself. Yeah, that were <laughs> totally into it as well. Yeah. That is true. I mean when you could bring out the fan base, you know they're there because they love it and yeah. they want to be there. That's it's yeah. always rewarding. Cool, man. Well this was fun. I, yeah, I enjoyed uh enjoyed, enjoyed sharing sharing the stories and it's always always cool to get to know people's origins and how their tastes have progressed and, mm-hmm. and do that so thanks for coming on yeah have a lot of fun thanks a lot cool until next time bye All right.